Hey y'all, welcome to Well 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 by LRH Wellness. I'm your host, Lexi, and this is where we dive deep into all things health and wellness. Here, we get into the wellness weeds, call out health inequities, and work to living a more well life, all centering Black perspectives. Welcome to another episode of Well Well Well. Thank you guys for joining me today. I am recording this bright and early, as I normally do, I'm not going to lie, but I'm just excited to have today's conversation because we are talking about protecting our joy. And originally, I was going to title this the negative of that statement, so joy suckers was originally what I was going to title it, but I wanted to take a more positive light on it because why not be joyful and why not take an approach to protecting that joy? So... I mentioned joy suckers, and I don't know if people really talk about it like that, but that's what I call them. You might be like, girl, what is that? Who are those people? And you have probably heard of like energy vampires or like people who just drain your emotional energy constantly. Mind Body Green includes like different names for them. So they talk about like the blamer, the guilt tripper, jealous bees, and insecure ones. And pretty much the fact of the matter is that. People can drain your energy in a lot of different ways, your emotional energy in particular, in a lot of different ways. But we're going to be talking about people who specifically always, you know, they're the Debbie Downers. They hate fun. They hate when you are up. They hate when you feel any sort of joy. And we're particularly going to talk about how it goes beyond pessimism because people can be pessimists but not project that. People can think you know, the negative side of things, the glass is half empty and not project that onto people. We're talking about people who project it onto you and really drain your joy. And so as black people, and if you're not black, maybe this will be some news for you. People don't like seeing joyful black people. They don't like seeing us gather in parks, celebrating somebody. They don't like seeing us enjoy a swimming pool. And if you know what I'm talking about, you can recall instances in news where, you know, those simple acts were vilified and led to police brutality virtually. But people don't like seeing black people happy and I remember the whole hashtag black boy joy or stuff like that where it tries to highlight the joy in which black people feel for just living and thriving and celebrate that joy. But when you deal with joy suckers or people who are draining your joy, whether it's on a one-on-one basis or it's just kind of large scale, you know, so I'll give an example. Black Panther. When it came out, a lot of black people were elated. It was a great movie. It had a lot of representation. Obviously, I mean, it was like an all black cast, but there were many people who were trying to take away that accomplishment from black people and trying to minimize it. And even within the black community, there were people who were minimizing it and making it seem not important or take away the excitement that some felt. Now, I am all for continuing to do the work, continuing to point out that we shouldn't be complacent. But sometimes there is room for joy. And it can be really hard to be around people who are constantly taking that joy away from you. And ultimately, it can be really toxic. And I hesitate using that word toxic because, you know, in TikTok psychology and 
pop psychology the word toxic is thrown around so casually and it also has this quality where it seems like it's unredeemable a toxic person can't be redeemed and I don't agree with any of those things so I but I will say when people are constantly stealing your joy and constantly taking your joyful moments and putting them down or always trying to suck the fun out of everything it can be a toxic presence because it can just drain you it can just leave you at such a low and really take your emotions from one extreme to another you might be like why are people like this like why would you always want to be the debbie downer and i mean some people it's intentional right some people those behaviors are intentional they don't like to see other people thriving they don't like to see other people's joy but a lot of it comes from unhealthy attachment styles, disempowerment, and it can be unintentional. And so I think what's important to recognize, and I talked about this when I was saying like toxic as a buzzword, people who are taking the joy away from situations, people who are energy vampires even, a lot of the time might not realize it. And it comes from their own traumas, their own histories, their own ways in which they are disempowered. And those small things can make them feel empowered. So I'll give an example. Let's say you have a friend who no matter what you accomplish, they always are like, yeah, but, or, well, I did. You know what I'm talking about? You know those type of people? I mean, I know some of those types of people. That doesn't come from necessarily and I'm not going to speak for everybody but necessarily most people necessarily it doesn't come from this need to make you feel worse it's to reassure them that they are still doing okay that you aren't competition or that if you are a competition that they are on pace with it and that's gonna that's kind of hard to wrap your mind around because their own problems their own unhealthy attachment styles their own disempower their own disempowerment is affecting you and it's making you feel less than or you feel you know just bad ultimately just bad it just takes you from a joy and a high place to feeling bad and one thing is that when you're on an individual basis and I'll talk about some tips of how you can deal with these people and how you can remove yourself from these situations but when you're on a one-on-one basis it's hard because you want to give this person grace but you also want to protect yourself and I think what's important to recognize is that when people are doing things like that it, it it is coming from them right it's not a reflection on you but what if this is coming from large scale what if this is coming from national news the media twitter any of those things, clubhouse, right? What if people are stealing your joy at such a large scale, you don't even know who to turn to. It's like wherever you turn, somebody is hating on your joy. That's exhausting. That is exhausting. And I mean, let's talk about the health of this, right? Feeling joy, feeling serotonin, it's really good. You want that positive feedback loop for your brain. You do something or you see something, it brings you joy, it makes you feel happy, you're with loved one and you're compassionate. You get all these positive feel-good hormones that course through your body and reinforce those activities, reinforce those experiences, right? But so what happens if you are doing something? So I'm going to use the example of that white woman 
I like can't even remember because there's been so many, but that white woman calling the police on the black people having a barbecue. You're used to enjoying barbecues. This is your family. This is your cookout. This is you're having a great time. And so positive, positive, positive. It's always been positive. And then the negative happens. You have a abrupt interruption in that. And the negative is in this scenario, the police coming because this white woman called the police and your negative associations with the police, your history, the history of this country all interfere with that, right? So you're having this positive feedback loop and then all of a sudden it's ended and it's negative and that can be scarring that can be triggering and ultimately traumatizing in some extreme cases and so when you're constantly exposed to people having such visceral reactions to black joy you can think of you know some of the vacation pictures I remember on Twitter there was these I want to say six black women who were all lawyers or lawyers and doctors and it was them on a boat looking good in their swimsuits and you know people were just like really evil to them they they said something in the comments like guess who's a lawyer guess who's a doctor and people were just real nasty and seeing other people defend and mainly it was really nasty men defend these men to be like yeah they're right like who have they even passed their board or their bar? Like, whatever. It was, like, absurd. And, you know, as a black woman seeing that, it was so infuriating. It could ultimately lead to people not posting their pictures, not expressing their joy, because they don't want to have to deal with that backlash, right? So that's when you think of something on a larger scale. Like, you see a viral tweet or you it wasn't directly pointed at you, but it's just a pattern you notice. And so that can help you that can lead to you dampening your joy and your joy response to things. And we don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want that for a lot of reasons. Feeling joy is good for our bodies, good for our mind, it's good for our psyche. But also, for black people, there are so many ways in which our joy is limited. And by limited, I mean by the forces of others, there's a lot of joy in blackness. There's incredible experiences that I can't even begin to verbalize. But when you constantly have people pushing down your joy, stifling your joy, your fun, and making you feel like you don't deserve it, well, that's exhausting. And that can have such negative effects in our psyche. And so you might be listening and are like, yeah, girl, I know that. I feel it. So what? Let's talk about how you identify people who are sucking your joy. Because it's kind of easy to recognize, like, the haters on the web. It's easy to see, like, who's a hater on a large scale. You're kind of like, okay, you can't let these people live. But people in your life are a lot trickier. And that's because a lot of times it will come under the guise of support or mm, really caring for you. And that's how it gets complicated. So you might walk away from somebody who's stealing your joy, feeling sad when you came up to them excited. That's just a basic one. You came up to them super excited, you were feeling real good, and you walk away just feeling bad, feeling sad. And it's not like they gave you bad news or something, right? Like, it's not like something like that. But it's like you constantly go to them with good vibes and, like, good energy. But every time they kind of, you walk away saying, hmm, I don't feel that nice anymore. 
and you can't place why. Normally you can't place why. And that's kind of manipulation. That is manipulation. Manipulation has such a harsh context because a lot of people think that people are purposefully manipulative and somebody who's stealing your joy may or may not be. So it's important to recognize they might not even know what they're doing as well. So you might kind of feel silly or foolish like you go up to them with this and they really trivialize it they minimize it so you might feel very successful let's say you finish something and you're like oh I accomplished this task I'm feeling great and you might walk away you might tell them and then walk away and be like wow that was actually so stupid like why would I bring that to anybody this is actually so small like huh that's another thing you might experience and generally you just might feel drained you might have a conversation with this person and walk away feeling like emotionally exhausted like you could take a nap or like you just want to kind of veg out because talking to them drains you so much and that's because you're going on a range of emotions because you're experiencing this high you come to them they're bringing you down you're confused you have to deal with all of these different aspects as you go through this conversation additionally you might feel like they're always one-upping you So these are people who are like, you come and you say, oh my gosh, I got a promotion at my job. And they're like, oh, I just got two promotions and I'm only a weekend. So what? Right? You know those people? And that's that's an extreme example. But those are the people who, no matter how excited you are about an accomplishment or what you do, they're always there to tell you they've done better or they know somebody who's done better. And... I think this is a little more obvious when people talk about, like, if you go to somebody and you're like, oh, I just got a promotion. And they're like, well, didn't Sally get that promotion already? Like, those people are a little more obvious because it's just, like, so, like, out of left field almost of, like, why are we even talking about this person, right? So they gaslight you. And that's what it really comes down to. They're gaslighting you. They're criticizing you. They're bullying you. They're making you feel like you're emotions your positive emotions in particular are invalid and I'm going to talk about toxic positivity because it has to do with our question of the week but note that it is different note that when you do feel true joy you should be able to rest in that you should be able to feel that and be excited and that doesn't take away from you know the negative things that you might be experiencing or that are happening in the world but when you're not able to celebrate your joy and not able to rest in a place of joy it again goes back to that feedback loop where you don't want to experience it so how do you kind of protect your energy how do you protect that joy how do you hold that joy in a sacred space one you can always just let it go right you can let these haters roll off your back right you can shrug it off you can walk away these things aren't always the easiest but a really good tactic is redirecting so let's give the example you tell your friend that you got a promotion and they like redirect and like well that's crazy because you know I got that promotion two weeks ago and be like oh wow that's so exciting I'm really excited about it as I'm sure you are how did you deal with a transition Kind of turn it back onto them. Be like, yeah, and I'm really excited and I would love for you to share in this excitement with me. You know, so reframe it to bring it back to you. Bring it back to your joy. Bring it back to the things that uplift you. So you can always do some mindfulness activities when you're talking to these people. Sometimes the redirecting is not going to work. 
sometimes people just don't want to have it. They just want to crush your joy and they're just going to keep going at you and you can't walk away. That's a big thing. If you can't walk away, mindfulness activities, envisioning your own positive joy, feeling that light, that good orb of light we talked about when we talked about meditation radiate through you and really feel the positive emotions you can even do maybe a mini kindness and mindfulness meditation and just envision something that brings you just purely warm feelings of joy and happiness additionally and this is kind of like my last one well kind of last one you can just adjust your expectations some people you'll have to recognize you can't go to for joyous things I know who those people are in my life and I don't bring them good news because I know they're going to make me feel worse. And it admittedly isn't the nicest to have to do that, right? You want to be able to share your joy with everybody in your life, but sometimes you just can't. And being able to recognize that and hold in that power of like, you know what? You're not the person for this. You're not the person I go to with these things because you don't value them. You don't appreciate them. That's going to be huge for you because you're going to be able to say like, I'm not going to even put myself in a situation where you can shit on that. And then when you get to the point where they're like, why don't you share this good news with me? That's when you can really address it. And that brings me to talking about confrontation. And to what ends do you want this confrontation to really bring you? So the key is you want a confrontation to be productive, right? You want to speak from the I perspective. You don't want to just shit on these people. Even if they're making you feel really bad, this isn't like a you go low, I go high type of thing. It's you don't recognize, you don't know where this person is coming from. They might not even recognize that they're having this behavior and you don't want to put them on a defensive because you want to get your point across and you want to get your point across with eloquence, with grace and really showing that your feelings are valid and that your boundaries are true. So you want to have a productive conversation and that's going to be speaking from that I perspective and knowing what you want out of the conversation before you even go into it. So if it's like a great example, moms. (laughs) So you might feel like your mom, every time you bring her some good news, she's like, she refers to a cousin who's doing better or she's like but what are you going to do next right your expectation might you might really want to still bring your mom joyful news right so the confrontation your goal might be for her to recognize that you want her to sit in that joy with you you just want her to say wow great job acknowledge it and just kind of be with that you don't want to think of next steps you don't want to compare it that's what you want So knowing what that is. And then when you talk, you speak from the I perspective. So we're going to I messages from like kindergarten, kinder school. Wow. Kindergarten, elementary school. I feel blank when blank happens, right? Simply say, say, I really feel upset when I bring you joyful news and you talk about cousin well instead or when I bring you, so you want to always talk from the I perspective, not you do this, I feel this, right? That's the change in language because you don't want to be accusatory. You don't want to put them on the defensive. You want to speak from what you're perceiving. And if they want to argue with your perception, some people are like that. And that's a whole different conversation. But if they want to argue with your perception, 
you have to know when the time is to quit because some people they don't want to hear it some people don't care don't perceive their own errors in situations and it's not going to be productive so you also have to know when your kind of tap out point is for a conversation you have to know when you get to the point where you're like I'm not going to argue this with you or I don't have it within me to even try to make you understand what I'm trying to explain because this is just ridiculous, right? So you have to know when your tap out point is. And with that, you also have to set boundaries. It is so clear and evident when you have a conversation and you don't kind of end with like, okay, this is my boundary. This is where my point of respect is. It's so obvious that they're going to just walk over you again because you haven't made it evident you know people are able to say oh that was just a one-off they were just like on their period they were just in a mood right something ridiculous like that but then they don't follow up with those boundaries because you didn't make it clear what it is and that sounds very much like I'm blaming you guys or I'm saying it's your fault but not true at all I'm just saying that's how people are going to perceive it and then so the last part is you can always cut people out I I'm a strong believer that there are people who should not be in your life, even if society patterns deem them important in your nuclear family or elsewise, otherwise. So, for example, parents who continuously shit on your joy, who continuously make you miserable, if you're grown grown, you can cut them out and that's okay. You have to get to a point where you are confident enough and you recognize what you will and won't stand for. And at that point is when you can really determine who is in your life, who adds value to your life in beautiful and precious ways, right? So cut them off if you need to. You might be listening to this and be like, damn, a joy sucker. A Debbie Downer, she describing me. Now, what am I going to do? That's what you might be saying to yourself right now. And if that is you, congratulations. You did the first step. You recognize these tendencies you have. You recognize that you have some problems with how you address other people, how you celebrate other people. That's okay. Now that you acknowledged it, you can do something about it and that's going to entail getting help and by getting help I don't mean you know flagging down a lifeguard I mean going to therapy addressing and if therapy isn't access accessible to you or it's not where you are in your journey right now that's okay you can acknowledge the patterns you can talk to a friend you can be like hey I listened to this podcast and I had this thought of they were kind of describing me And I want to see if you recognize that. Be honest with me. Let me know. You can have those conversations. You can acknowledge it to yourself and the people around you. And then you can start doing the work to stop those behaviors, to reverse that mindset, to understand where are these unhealthy attachment styles coming from? Where am I disempowered? Why am I doing this unintentionally? What is the root? And that's work you can easily do with a therapist. Well, not easily because it is work. Therapy is work. You're trying to heal, but a therapist can guide you through it, coaches, mentors, lots of people. But if you're hearing this and you're like, "Mm, that's me, girl, congratulations. 
I'm feeling joy for you because you're on a beautiful next step in your journey. This week's wellness tip is something that I actually struggle so much with, but it's feeling pride in your small steps. So if you guys have heard me or followed my Instagram for any time, you see that I talk about smart goals all the time. Specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, time sensitive. That's what smart goals are. That's how you set goals that are actually achievable. And so part of that is that you have to have baby steps in between. You recognize that, you know, while the marathon might be the end goal, I got to learn how to run one mile, two miles, three miles first without stopping. How do we celebrate those small steps in between? How do we feel the joy and rest in that celebration for those steps in between? And I'm going to I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I really struggle with this. I am somebody who, when I accomplish one thing, I move on to the next. I constantly set the finish line a little further for myself always. And that's frustrating. It's a frustrating feeling. We need to celebrate the small steps. It helps you feel encouraged. It helps you see the value in the work that you're doing. And it makes it just a little bit better. So here are three ways that you can celebrate small steps towards your bigger goals. First one, take a break and celebrate in a small way. So let's say you finished a task that's a part of a bigger task, right? Take a second, sit with it, say, wow, I did that. Dance party, I'm gonna eat a piece of chocolate, I'm gonna have my favorite fruit, scroll on Twitter, reward yourself. Don't immediately go to the next thing. Take a second to be like, yeah, I did that. I am great. Next. So this is two. Don't minimize it, even though small, it's still a step in the right direction. Don't brush it off, right? Even though it might feel really minuscule. And so one example I'll give is if you are suffering with depression, right? Maybe you brushed your teeth today. You might feel like that's small. You might feel like, why can't I do this every day? What the heck? But that's a step in the right direction. And it's not small, right? Every step gets you closer to your goal, small or large, and you should celebrate it. You should feel good about it. You should feel pride in it. So don't minimize it. Don't say, oh, it's just one thing down. Don't say, ah, well, I should have done right? Really be proud of that step. Don't make it smaller, okay? And thirdly, last one, take a second before moving on to the next piece. And this is kind of like the first where you're like taking a break and celebrating, but really take a break. I want to emphasize that. Take a break. Even if it's like 15 seconds, say, sit back and say, whoo, I did that. Give yourself that affirmation. Let yourself rest in that feelings of accomplishment. I love a good check mark. Checking things off my to-do list gives me such a rush. And I know that sounds so absurd, but it does. And so being able to check things off and say, ah, and then going to the next thing, massive, massive game changer and helps me feel the accomplishment and pride in those small steps. This week's wellness question is, Am I crazy for feeling that the wellness space is all positive? How do I deal with not feeling positive? This is a great question. So thank you to the sender in 
the person who sent it in. Wow. But yes. So this is when I was talking about toxic positivity earlier. So toxic positivity is the belief that no matter how dire or difficult a situation is, people should maintain their positive mindset. And I'm not going to lie, wellness Instagram is filled with that. I tweeted the other day. I was like, I just want to see some toxicness. I just want to see somebody angry, somebody upset. I want to see somebody crying because it is exhausting to pretend that everything is all hunky-dory all the time. And so positivity, let's be real, associated with wonderful mental health benefits. And I just talked about how you don't want to be around people who are stealing your positivity, who are stealing your joy. So I don't think that's what I'm doing now. But life also isn't always perfect. There are ups and downs. And toxic positivity genuinely ignores that life is this roller coaster. It ignores the struggles that people facing that people face and minimizes their experiences. I kind of equate it to the I don't see color. You can be purple, blue, black, whatever. I don't care, right? When people say things like that, they're almost not acknowledging your unique experiences as a black person or your unique privileges as a white person, right? And the same is true when people always flip it to the positive. So you might hear people say, just stay positive. Look on the bright side of things or everything happens for a reason or happiness is a choice, which is no comment there. It's not. And you can't always choose to be happy. And when you hear statements like this and when people push narratives of constantly being positive, it can make, it's gaslighting you. It can feel like gaslighting you. We can't minimize our emotions. We can't ignore our emotions because what happens is we bottle them up and then they explode, right? We have to give ourselves that space for emotional growth. So toxic positivity drives guilt for people feeling bad about things, right? It makes people feel bad about things. It's that kind of like, oh, somebody else has it worse mentality. You should be grateful all the time. And yes, while I love gratitude and I love practicing gratitude, it's hard to feel grateful all the time. It's an active work, right? And ultimately, toxic positivity drives this lack of authenticity. It pushes people to not be who they are, not express themselves, and when they need help, not get it because they don't want to be negative, right? So there's a difference between actively stealing somebody else's joy you see somebody else is happy so you try and take it away or you just feel bad and acknowledge hey I'm not feeling great right now but I'm happy for you right two different things and I think it's really critical to recognize that social media really fosters into this idea well at least Instagram does Twitter (laughs) Twitter is the real one sometimes but Instagram really fosters or plays into this toxic positivity thing of you should always be happy because people want to post their best lives on Instagram. And you think even when people do the crying pictures and, you know, today was a bad day, a lot of those have a positive spin on the end. And it's like, but here, but I will get out of this and like all of that, which is great. And people definitely will. Life won't be bad forever, but it still lacks that authenticity because It's coming from a place where the expectation is to always be positive, if that makes sense. So, yes, 
you are right. You're not crazy because the wellness space does push this idea of toxic positivity and always needing to feel positive even when things aren't looking good. And that can be really detrimental to people who experience a lot of negativity on some real shit in a day-to-day life. So don't feel gaslit into believing that you're wrong about that. And if you're not feeling positive, embrace that. Deal with those emotions. Think through what is causing you to not feel positive, what's not causing you to feel joy or happiness in that moment. Sit with that emotion. Don't ruminate in it. Don't just sit sad forever. But, you know, sit in that emotion and say, like, hmm, this is how I'm feeling. This is where I'm at right now. And that's okay. I will move on at some point. But for right now, this is where I am. And that's okay. Thanks for listening to Well, Well, Well by LRH Wellness. If you found this podcast helpful or it resonated with you, make sure you like, subscribe, share, and give it a five-star rating. Check out lrhwellness.com to see available wellness programs and consider supporting the work. Talk to you guys next week. Bye.